Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today I'm talking with Sean Carpenter, Program Director at ANSYS. Today we're going to discuss the ongoing debate about how new 5G C-band cell towers might be interfering with commercial aircraft altimeters. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. It's an honor to be here, Pat. Thank you very much. So as we've uh, seen in the news, there's been a lot of controversy in the recent deployment of these 5G C-band cellular towers near the airports where they're operating at a frequency near the altimeters used on commercial aircraft, which are critical in bad weather, but not normally needed. So can you give us some background on how we got to this situation? Yeah, it all relates to who controls the spectrum, I think, is probably where the question comes back. Um, back in April 2020, the FCC moved to reallocate the C-band, that's near that altimeter band, for use in licensed um, telecommunications. And of course, as we know, AT&T and Verizon invested a lot of money to buy the spectrum. There's 280 megahertz of spectrum right adjacent here to the radar altimeter band. Now, in October of 2020, shortly after that reallocation, the RTCA, which is a nonprofit organization, delivered a technology report that indicated some real potential interference concerns to uh, the safety systems on aircraft. Uh, but then two months later, in December of 2020, the actual uh, allocation was sold. They auctioned off the spectrum. So things were moving very quickly uh, along the uh, lines of the FCC reallocating. In December of 2021, just a year later, AT&T and Verizon are ready to energize 500, over 500 5G towers with C-band service near the airports that have the identified low visibility landing and, uh, and, and uh, takeoff uh, profiles. And then, of course, as we know, coming up to the present time in January 18th of this year, the FAA issued the notifications that disallowed low visibility landings at these designated airports where the 5G C-band service was deployed. So the service providers have agreed with the FAA to stand down and say, we're, we're going to wait, we'll study this issue and work with you and see if we can't fix this. We've got six months to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had to move fast once they started to turn it on. So sure. it, it appears that the, the deployment did force the testing out of the altimeters, and some of them have been approved. Do you know where we stand today on approving them? Yeah, the FAA is actually providing reasonably up-to-date information on their website. And according to their website, faa.gov slash 5G, you can see that they've approved about 20, uh, 20 altimeters that allow about 90% of the U.S. commercial fleet to perform their low visibility landings at most airports in the 5G development area. Now, there are about 87 of these airports actually identified across the U.S. So what specific frequency band does the 5G C-band towers use, and how does that compare to the frequency range that the altimeters are using? You know, is there any kind of guard band in between those uh, frequency ranges? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so right now, the C-band 5G providers are working in their first tranche uh, of 100 megahertz between 3.7 and 3.8 gigahertz. That's the first channel. But they've also purchased the rights to use the next 100 megahertz, which is 3.8 to 3.9 gigahertz, as well as another 80 megahertz of spectrum from 3.9 to 3.98. Now, in that allocation, the FCC then built in a 20 megahertz guard band from 398 all the way to or up to four gigahertz. So you have this little little 20 megahertz guard band between them. And I say little when you look at it as compared to the actual bandwidth of the 5G systems, 
right? There, there are 100 megahertz channels and an 80 megahertz channel there. Uh, and that's fairly close. And the aircraft safety and radar systems band is defined to be four to 4.4 gigahertz. Right? So you've just got 20 megahertz separating them. And radar altimeters are defined by the ITU to operate between 4.2 and 4.4 gigahertz. They're, they're, they're usually about 421 to 439. Uh, but the bottom line here is that uh, the FCC has built in about 220 megahertz of spacing uh, between the bands, if you consider that the altimeters are actually starting at 4.2. So you go from 3.98 to 4.2, which is really the bottom end of the active band for altimeters. Well, it seems like for a modern system, that would be plenty of guard band. Why is there not better filtering on the altimeters for these interfering signals? You know, did they not design them for this uh, purpose? Because I did see the filter skirt on some of them, and it's not that great. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's one that a lot of folks are are asking right now. Um, I'll speculate here a little bit, but I think there are probably three factors. Uh, One, uh, a lot of them are older units and and probably less costly units that really didn't need to worry about uh, noisy neighbors on the spectrum, right? Uh, Because when they were designing those units, you were, they were only using that band for fixed, uh, fixed access and satellite access systems where the signal levels were either very low or very highly focused by uh, very large aperture antennas. So you didn't have the potential of somebody beaming lots of energy directly at an incoming aircraft. Uh, the second factor was, I, I think, again, like kind of what I've already said, they, they didn't really have directional high power antennas pushing energy at, at the aircraft like you have now with some of the new phased array systems with fairly high directionality, very high EIRP, uh, if a beam is focused on a particular, well, on a particular subscriber, as you would have if someone on, a, on an aircraft turned on their 5G-enabled phone uh, during landing, right? And so that would, that would probably be a concern. The third area, I think, is because they're fairly low power, right? They usually use, radar altimeters uh, are fairly low power. They usually use less than a watt, uh, and there's really a lot of a lot of uh, loss to overcome at, at at high altitudes when you first turn that thing on. Like your 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 loop link uh, gain margin is probably like you got 90, 90 dB or so of, of attenuation to overcome over the path loss. So you need a pretty sensitive receiver, and putting a, a filter on the front end of that uh, will will reduce somewhat your sensitivity. And that's I think a concern to the receiver designer. So uh, those would be my speculations on kind of how we got here with the with the altimeter situations. The newer altimeters certainly are designed well, and, and the high-end aircraft seem to be clearing the bar pretty readily with the FAA. So testing all these altimeters is definitely a time-consuming and expensive uh, task. Can we accurately simulate the situation in software? Yes, I absolutely believe this is possible. And we've demonstrated this in an ANSYS blog article on our website uh, to show how this can be done. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the uh, description of this podcast for people to take a look at. Yeah, great. In order to do it, you know, what you would need to have would be three major ingredients. You need some information on the transmitter emissions, and that's both in-band and out-of-band for the 5G transmitter. Uh, and there are specifications that are set by the ITU, and, you know, the regulatory bodies who, who set those for particularly out-of-band emissions, which is part of the concern. You'd need some information about the receiver susceptibility, both in-band and out-of-band. And in the article, we link to the RTCA report where there's a lot of valuable information there. 
Uh, and uh, the, the speculation is that uh, of the uh, many models that they considered, one of them was a pretty old unit that had a very low saturation uh, level for the input, out of band satur saturation, which could lead pretty readily to interference events. The uh, third thing you need is some accurate models for the antennas. You, know, you need to know the knowledge of their locations, their um, ability to capture, your, your ability to capture flight dynamic effects on the orientation of antennas, like an aircraft that's coming in for landing might roll a bit because of a crosswind or something like that, which would tip the radar altimeter pattern up, maybe up toward the horizon a little bit more to more directly engage a base station. And these are things that you want to include in your modeling when you're looking for worst case situations. And then there's even further, um, we could even examine these uh, the specs that uh, the regulatory bodies are putting on the base stations and evaluate whether the specifications are sufficient, like peak emissions mass requirements or, or peak power levels and things like that. So you really could evaluate these um, properly. And so you've done some of those exercises and are there any other things you need to consider or would that all take it into effect? Yeah, we, I think that probably captures most of it and gets you to a, a good worst case analysis. And other things that might be good to consider might be the um, antenna radiation characteristics and installation effects. And, and of course, we, we capture the physics of, of the platform and local environment interactions, but also the detailed transmitter or receiver effects, such as the intermod products from the amplifiers or, or the mixers, harmonics, uh, the spurs. And uh, we, we know of several companies and think tank organizations that are actually engaged in measuring uh, both in-band and out-of-band emissions for radios and sensitivities of the receivers. And the measurements uh, that are taken of these radios on the lab bench could then be used in a scenario modeling setup so that you could, you could really check it out in situ as it sits there without ever having to fly a single hour of flight time. So yeah, these simulation you know, exercises seem like they'd be very good for this. Do you see any other situations coming up as we roll out more 5G systems and more frequencies? I mean, take millimeter wave for example, you know, are those gonna cause other issues because we could prepare them and you know, do these simulations ahead of time and know. Absolutely. You know, the spectrum is only becoming more crowded as consumers continue to thirst for, for, for bandwidth, basically, right? Uh, we want faster links, we want lower latencies, we want more devices, and all of that's going to require more bandwidth and more efficient use of the limited spectrum resources that we have today. Now, one area where we're seeing this already is, is in uh, automotive radars. Uh, we're starting to see some of the radar manufacturers uh, begin to be concerned about how their radar devices might potentially interfere with other radars on the road, right? Their radars are looking right into each other. What happens and how can we make sure that, that we don't register a false target or, or think we're looking at a pedestrian when we're just getting an active signal from someone else's radar? But if we look even ahead to the 5G uh, rollout as it continues to go, it's not just aircraft we're concerned about, right? There's going to be helicopters, uh, drones, they're talking about urban mobility platforms, all of these are going to want to have connectivity to the 5G infrastructure and have the potential to draw 5G uh, base station beams. They're going to want to be followed by a beam, which means that they're going to make sure or need to make sure that uh, their safety systems have immunity to, to these devices. The last point I'd like to make to Pat is let's not forget about the other two bands that haven't hit the news yet, but you know, the 100 megahertz that they're going to want to light up in the near future to double the capacity that they're, they're probably very happy C-band customers are, are, are seeing 
But as we get to that last 80 megahertz band, that's very close, that's the closest one to the radar altimeter band. Here we're going to see the close end emissions from the transmitter that get quite close to the altimeter band. That's probably the channel that really needs to be focused on because that represents the worst case for this current deployment. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's only going to get worse. So they better start preparing now because they would seem like they were caught, you know, flat footed on this one in their preparations. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Sean, for uh, taking the time to discuss the 5G C-band interference issue with commercial aircraft altimeters. I've wanted to talk about this for a couple of weeks now, so really appreciate you coming on the podcast to discuss it. To our audience, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. And thanks for listening today.